Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Oh, wow. My, my reminder just came up and says the fast ends today. The fast is over. I thought about bringing a candy bar or bringing a hamburger in here and eating it before you. Um, But I said, no, that's not fair. You guys may put me on the spot and make me pray over it and see if God would multiply it. And I don't know if I'd want Him to multiply it. I may want it all for myself. So, But anyhow, anyway, so good to see you all in the house of the Lord today, and especially for our guests. We have several guests across the the building. Welcome, and those who may be joining us online. Matter of fact, hey, can we give it up for those joining us online this morning? Welcome. So glad you are joining us this morning as well. Well, last week, the way the service went, I wasn't able to make a few announcements. And so if you don't mind, I don't want to take a lot of time. Matter of fact, go ahead and turn your Bible to John chapter 14. You can go ahead and get ahead of me there. John chapter 14. But I wanted to uh, last week do this. The family had asked me to, but with the way the service went, uh, I did not do it. But um, the Hood family would just like to say thank you. Uh, Sister Dolores Hood's family, as you know, she passed away. And uh, we had our service, and they're just so grateful for the for the calls, the cards, uh, the encouragement, uh, the food that the, everybody provided for them, and the flowers, of course. And just want to say a hearty thank you for all your blessing in them, and just thank you guys. Thank you all for being a church that ministers to each other. I don't have to tell you all to do things. You all just do it, and I appreciate that. That's a reflection on me, and I appreciate that. Not that I'm a great pastor, but really... Is a reflection on the kingdom of God, and I do appreciate that. And along that lines, my wife would also like to express her and her family for all that you did during the passing of my father-in-law as well. Many of you all brought food, and of course the cards, and, and the gifts, and just the, the call. Thank you so much, church. It, it means a lot uh, when you have church family that's there to support you during a time of crisis. Along that lines, I want to also make an announcement that we have our, our annual business meeting coming up in a couple weeks. February 14th. I know that's Valentine's Day, uh, but if you're a member, if you're not a, just so there's clarity, when I say voting member, if you've joined the church and you went through the class and you filled out the card, that's, that's what I mean by voting member. If you're not a voting member and you still come to this church, you're still a member. You just don't get a vote, but I still want you to come. If you're, if, if you're not a voting member, I still want you to come because you get to celebrate what we get to go over, it's not like other churches you may have been to. Our business meetings, we don't fuss and we don't fight and we don't throw things at each other. We really don't. We have a devotion. We do communion. We go over, we do go through the business side of things, but we celebrate what God's done for us. And I just want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, just go out, you know, you know what? When, when I was younger and first married, we'd go out on Valentine's Day. But now that I'm older, I just wait to the weekend because who in the world can get up in the morning, go to work, go out that night and celebrate and all that kind of stuff and get up the next morning. So you know you're going to do it over the weekend. So come on, come out for our annual business meeting and let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord. As you're leaving today, you're going to be getting one of these. I know this was in the announcements, but this is our small group brochure. We don't have as many small groups uh, this semester as we've been having. I'm a little disappointed in that. So I'm praying that some of y'all will step up and be a part of, uh, start leading one. But the bottom line is, if you're not part of a small group, I want you to be a part of a small group. That's biblical. Wow, no amens. It's biblical. It is biblical. That's how we become relational. And so I want you to be a part of that. Last but not the least by no means. I'm excited about this announcement. Um, 
Back at Thanksgiving, we took up our sacrifice offering. I know I've announced the total, but someone said, hey, we haven't heard what the total is. So I thought I would give you the total again. We took up an offering to help plant slash build a church in Sakua, Ecuador, which the trip is going to be July 21st through July 28th. If you want to go on that trip, come see me. I'm getting teamed together. We're going to go down there and build. We're going to love on some kids and build the church and whatever they need us to do. But we needed $10,000 to, to do this project. And we raised $9,700 in that sacrifice offering. Can you give God the glory? Amen. That is a phenomenal offering. And it did not affect our tithes and offerings. Our tithes and offerings didn't go down that Sunday or the next Sunday. So to God be the glory. But thank you folks for uh, being obedient to what the Lord laid on your heart to give. Amen. I always tell you, I always say this. I don't want equal giving. I want equal sacrifice. Right? I want us all to be a part of that. You may not be able to go on this trip, but you're sending. If you gave to this, you're helping send. Um, and that's important. And you can help pray for our team. Well, we're in week three of this uh, series. We began four weeks ago because we had Brother Rick Dubose in the middle of that. And, 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 and it's, it, it, it's, I, I, I struggled with the title of this series just simply because I want the title to reflect uh, what the theme is or what it is. And I believe it's something that God is calling us to in 2024 it's, it's interesting that when rick dubos was here we did some we did some team building stuff he he came in on saturday we had dinner with, and he spoke into my leadership team uh, my, my my staff and all and and he talked about different things but one of the things he talked about was seasons and i'm not gonna i'm not going to go into what he talked about what seasons are but we all go through seasons just like nature goes through seasons we personally go through seasons and churches go through seasons and one thing that he we kind of he asked us well what season are we in and we we started discussing this and there's no bad season there's no bad season you need you need winter to prepare for spring and you need spring for summer and summer for the fall for the harvest so and we got to talk about what season are we in. And some of us thought maybe we was in winter, but God kept laying on my heart or when he was talking about it. We're not in winter. We are in fall about to go into winter. And what you do at fall is everything becomes bare. The leaves fall off the limbs and you see what you have. We're in a fall season in our church. And we see what we have. We see what we have in who is committed to the church, who is part of the church. We see what we have in ministry and ministry leaders. We, we see what we have in our, in our finances and, and the things that we're able to support. And then you go into the wintertime. And what happens in the wintertime is very important is as things die off, your roots begin to grow. You need that wintertime because from the growth in the roots is where the growth above the ground comes from in spring. And so I sense that we're moving into a wintertime. And, and we're going for, we're in a fall, we're evaluating everything, we're evaluating all of our ministries, what's working, what's not working, let's get rid of the fat, let's slim down, and let's know that we're doing what God's called us to do at this church, which is a part of you, and that's going to lead us into the wintertime. And in the wintertime is really, I guess, where this, this message series comes from. I believe 2024 is going to be a wintertime for us to where we're going to grow deeper roots. We're going to grow as Christians. I'm not saying we won't have growth here in our church. We'll have people come to our church. We always have people come to church. Enjoy. But it's not about the mass growth as much as is, is let's get deeper. Let's get deeper in the Word. Let's get closer to the Lord. He's coming again. Now, I'm sounding a lot like my grandparents and my dad, you know, and, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, and I say that all the time, but seriously, and maybe it's a maturing process in my life. 
But I, I, and, and I know there's many, I look over here, some of our young people that have so much ambition, so many dreams, and you keep dreaming and keep having that ambition, but, but you may not see it come to fruition. You may not see it because Jesus is coming soon. And I feel that deep within my bones. So the whole idea of this message series is, this is the way a disciple lives. This is a disciple's way of life. And this is supposed to be a transformational series. It's supposed to take us from being a believer. We talked about the first week, the difference between a believer and a disciple. And we want to go from being transitioned from being a believer to being a disciple. Now, that's not to say we don't have disciples in here. I think we have disciples in here that have lived for God your whole life and very productive. But we have to admit that there's some in here that are probably believers that need to transition to disciples. Even Jesus' disciples start off as believers. Come and see. Are you? Well, come and see if I am the Messiah. Come and see if I'm Christ. Come and see. And as they did, they fell in love with Jesus and they started following Him and they became His disciples. So there's nothing wrong with being... It starts with being a believer, but we want to transition, go deeper in our roots in Christ, and we want to become a disciple, one who truly lives by the Word of God and follows the ways of Christ. After His resurrection, Jesus told His disciples to what? To go into all the world... And he didn't say make believers. He said make disciples. It's about bringing people along. It's not about reaching the masses. It's about reaching the one. And when you reach the one, then come alongside of them and building them into a disciple. Pouring into them. This is how the kingdom of God is built. This is how the kingdom of God is expanded. It's through 101 or 102 discipleship. Jesus had 12. He had a lot, but there were 12 he was close to. And then there's three that was closer than to any of them. And then there was one that he was the closest to. And it was the one, John the Beloved, that he knew that he would give his last letter, Revelation, and the letters to the churches through him. And he invested a lot in that young man, knowing that he would live longer than all the other apostles. See, it's that, it's that idea of expanding and growing uh, you as an individual. He said, make disciples. Unfortunately, I believe that we're in a crisis in the world today, because the church is full of believers and not full of disciples. I'm going to say it again. The church is in a crisis today. The world is in a crisis today because the church is filled with believers and not necessarily disciples. Thus, that's why our nation is in the mess that it's in. Thus, that's why our communities are in the mess that they're in. Thus, that's why the churches are powerless and not seeing God do the things He wants to do. Because why? We have not transitioned from believing in Jesus Christ to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're in the mess that we have. Yes, there is a, 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 a call to holiness, a call of walking with the Lord in this. It's not about just asking Jesus to bless me and live my life the way I want to. It's really come along and partnering with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we started this journey a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we said that the first step or the, in the process of going from a believer to a disciple is you have to become passionately in love with Jesus. And I don't want to I don't want to compare my compa my passionate love for my wife with Christ. But as an example, I passionately I passionately love my wife to the point of I went to Publix yesterday with her. That was crazy. Crazy! I could have went down to Win Dixie. There'd have been nobody in Win Dixie, but she wanted to go check Publix. We went on a shopping spree to Publix yesterday, yeah. But that's the love that I have 
for her, right? It's the same thing. It's similar to having that passionate love for Jesus. Then we said the following week, the next indicator is that we developed an extraordinary love for people to the point that we put that love on demonstration and we serve people. We serve people. How do people know you care? Not because you tell them. It's because what? You serve them. And that's what a disciple does. I'm passionately in love with Jesus, and now because He says I should serve others, He didn't come to be served. He came to serve, and He's called us to be served. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. Listen to what He says. And so we're called to serve others. Now this week we're going to look at the third step in this discipleship process. And that is getting to know the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. One of the big differences between a believer and a disciple is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. A big difference between a believer and a disciple is the relationship the person has with the Holy Spirit. How connected the person is to the Holy Spirit. And I promise you today, if you will listen to this message and take heart, don't shut me out. Do you believe God's called me to be your pastor? Okay. Do you believe that I, for the most part, outside the little jokes and things, I'm speaking on behalf of God? I want you to take this message to heart today. This is, this is, it's so important for you as a believer, no, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you begin to discover who God is through the person of the Holy Spirit, everything in your life will change. As Jesus approached what he knew would be the end of his life, he shared this, he told his disciples this in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then he says, continuing on, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word advocate, we all know that. If you don't, it also means helper. It means counselor. It says advocate in NIV, but it implies helper, because the next thing he says, to help you. So we know it's the helper, and, and, and you will be, and you will be with, and he will be with you forever. One of the signs that you love God is that you obey him. Love is an action word. How do you know that you love others? What's the indication you love others? That you, you serve others. But how many this morning would admit you struggle at times in obeying the commands of God? i got one honest person, two honest person. Come on. The rest of you are liars. You mean nobody but me struggles with obeying God all the time? You, your flesh never gets in the way? You never have a bad thought about that person on 231? You never go for that extra piece of chicken? Come on. You don't ever talk bad about your moms or your dads? You don't ever make fun of them, son? Yeah, okay, I thought so. All right. All right. Sure we do. Sure we do. We, we all do because why? Why do we? Because God's commands are challenging. His way of life is challenging. And the call that, and the walk that He's called us to goes against the desires of your flesh. It's a struggle. So what does God do? He says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. But I know you're going to struggle, Tony. If anybody's going to struggle, it's going to be you, Tease. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And He's going to come along, and He's going to help you in your walk with me. He's going to help you be able to obey what I've asked you to do. He is the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives within you and will be in you. Amen? In our time, we don't fully understand what Jesus is saying, but what Jesus said in that statement is very radical. Think for a minute. Go back to the biblical days. 
Remember, although Jesus is alive, we call this the, the gospel of the New Testament, he's technically still living in Old Testament times. He hasn't died on the cross yet. That makes sense. They're still living under the Old Covenant. And now under the Old Covenant, if you remember right, there's only two major people groups that the average person could hear from God from. The average person couldn't just go to God. Oh, you could pray to God, but when God spoke, He either spoke through the priests or He spoke through the prophets. That's who God spoke to. And what Jesus is doing here, He's coming along and He said, Hey, I, I'm going to change all this. He's about to change the relationship, the relational connection to God. He's going to change how they interact with God. They no longer needed an advocate. They no longer needed an embassy. They no longer needed a priest. They could go to God the Father themselves because why? God's about to invest in them or implant within them His Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying, from this point on, I'm going to send the third person of the Godhead the Holy Spirit, so that you can connect with God. God's going to connect with you through the Holy Spirit, which is His Spirit, and you're going to be able to connect with God. In fact, once you decide to receive the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with Him, everything about your relationship with God will change. It will change. Very rare occasion in the Old Testament, and usually it was to a prophet with the Holy Spirit, or a judge, which was part of leadership, when he come upon them and talk. It's through the Holy Spirit that we connect with God. So many in the church struggle. Hear me. You struggle with sin and purpose because you struggle with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. We don't fully understand who the Holy Spirit is, which is part of what today is about, and what His purpose is in our life. We struggle because, you know what? I have found the Holy Spirit, the way He does things, don't always make sense to my natural mind. It doesn't. It doesn't. So we struggle with this. But we've got to remember the Holy Spirit is God. He is a person and not a thing. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is our helper. He is our counselor. He is our advocate. He convicts us of sin. He connects us with God. He guides us. He steers us in the direction that God wants our lives to go. He's important to the believer today. If we don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you won't have a good relationship with God. I'm going to say it again. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have a very good relationship with God as we look through this and see the role that the Holy Spirit plays in your relationship with God. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the connection to God. Now, as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, there's some things you need to know. Okay, I'm going to give you three things you need to know about Him. Okay, The first thing is that the Holy Spirit, He wants to anoint you. That's kind of an odd word. Anoint me? You probably never thought about anointing. We first see this in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus' ministry didn't start until he was about 30 years old. We don't have a lot of information about Jesus' life before then. We know he was a son of a carpenter, which probably means he was trained in carpentry. He also uh, lived in Nazareth, grew up in Nazareth. We know that. We know he was born in Bethlehem. We know he spent some time in Egypt. We know that God's favor was on him as a very good young man when, when, when he went to the temple. We know a few things, but not a lot about him. Okay, but suddenly we find in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, if you want to turn your Bibles, there's a great story about Christ. We find something changes in his life. And this is what Luke 4, 1 says. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What Luke is describing here is the baptism of Jesus. One day Jesus shows up. You go back to Luke 3 and see. He comes. John the Baptist says, hey, behold the Lamb of God. and takes away the sins of the world. And he's, Jesus wants to be baptized. 
And we know that when John baptized him, he, he went down and came up. God the Father spoke, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And it says that in the, like, a, like a dove, the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus and the Spirit led him into the wilderness for a 40-day time of fasting. Thank God that I didn't call, He didn't call you and I to a 40 days of fasting. He didn't just do a Daniel fast. He fasted all food. An absolute fast. Okay? During that time of fasting and praying, Jesus got to know the presence of the Holy Spirit in a real, real way. During this time, He was, he was learning to allow the Holy Spirit to teach Him, to work within Him, to develop Him, uh, it, 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 to strengthen Him and help Him as He was about to face some of the, the, the hardest temptation He had ever faced. Understand, Jesus was tempted just like you and I. And in the wilderness was the toughest he faced other than when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said no to his own will. Everything in between, although it was probably still tough, nothing compared to when Satan showed up and offered him the kingdoms that were all this temptation. But Jesus, through fasting and prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit, overcame those temptations, said no to him, and he defeated the enemy in the wilderness. And after that, he comes out of the wilderness. And this is what Luke 4.14 says. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. He came out and went to Galilee, returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He came out at that time of fasting and praying, and he came back empowered. Everybody say empowered with me. Come on, wake up with me. I know, I know I'm, I'm, I, we're about to get some really good stuff. But empowered. He came out empowered to do what? To fulfill His purpose. To fulfill His ministry. The plans that God had laid out for Him. God knew over, even His own Son couldn't do what He called Him to do without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed that, how much more do you and I need that today? See, empowerment. Upon leaving the desert... He returned to Nazareth, and on, on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue. And, and, and I don't want to go into the customs for time's sake, but basically when you went there, different people would give the opportunity to, to read from the scroll. They were reading from Isaiah, and they handed it to Jesus. Here, you want to read? He said, sure. And he turned to this scripture, which we'll read in Luke 4, 18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has what? He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. I think it's important that we understand what this word anointing means. When you are anointed, it means that God's presence is on you. The anointing really means the heaviness. It means weightiness. And it doesn't just mean like carrying weights. It talks about the weightiness of, the, of God upon you. It comes through the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been anointed and felt the, the weightiness? I feel the weightiness right now. I felt the weightiness and the heaviness earlier when we were worshiping and the Spirit of God moved. The anointing was in this room. And it fell on some certain people. And it was heavy. Those people that it fell on, they had to speak. Why? It was an anointing. It was a heaviness. And there was an urge. I have to speak forth in my gifts because that's what I'm called to do. Now, how many of y'all believe that, that God's is, is anointing is on you? How many believe God's anointing is on you? Because here's the thing. God's not in the business of anointing just a few people. He's not, he's not just in the business of anointing me. He wants to anoint everybody. He wants this anointing that Jesus is speaking about. He wants it to fall on Everybody. He wants to empower everybody with supernatural abilities. And they want, He wants us to connect with God in a different way, through the anointing. When the anointing comes on you, now you become a disciple and you're moving in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying that when the Holy Spirit anointed Him, this is what the Holy Spirit anointed Him to do. He's, it's a prophecy. What was it? He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me, sent me to proclaim freedom to, for the prisoners and recover of sight for the blind. Right, Brother Jim? And you all having sight problems. Sister Pat's in the back. Sister Pat, that, that's for you. Sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what you have to understand about the Holy Spirit is when, when, when He comes upon you, an anointing comes upon you to do these kind of things, to what? To fulfill your purpose. You're part of disciples. You're to go in all the world and make disciples. Reach the lost and make disciples. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Another thing you need to understand about the Holy Spirit is your development as a disciple is dependent upon your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Your development as a disciple is dependent upon your relationship with the Holy Spirit. In other words, He should be your closest friend. He should be your best friend. You should be having daily conversations, daily encounters with Him. I had somebody ask me this other night about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, it's not a one-time baptism like water baptism is, or joining the church, being baptized in the body of Christ. It literally is a daily occurrence where you are to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see this with the disciples, okay? You should have a daily connection with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. I know I'm going quick, and I'm going to slow down here. I know I'm going quick because I'm looking at the clock. Don't look at the clock just because I said I'm looking at the clock. Be aware that I'm looking at the clock. All right. This is too important for me to go fast. I, I really need to... You need to get this. Your life, your ministry, your purpose depends on it. John 14, 26. But the Advocate, or the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So when you stay connected to the Holy Spirit, He's going to help you understand the Father's ways. He's going to help you understand the Word of God. He's going to help you remember what the Word of God says. He's going to teach you God's ways. See, He's going to teach you to think like God. Scary. But he's going to teach you to think like it. He will change you from the inside out. Another thing you need to understand about the Holy Spirit, the third thing, for you to know how to operate in the supernatural power of God, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, listen. How many of y'all were raised in Pentecost? Raise your hand. Come on. Okay. For you, most of y'all probably have a good understanding of this. Okay? If you weren't, you might say, well... Okay, what is this all about? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. I think it's unique, very interesting that God moved today in the gifts. But there's three baptisms in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. Okay? A lot of us don't think of it, but there is the baptism into the body of Christ. A lot of people don't think about that one. There's the baptism of water, and then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right? The baptism in the church, the only time it's spoke about is Paul writes about it in Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And he's basically talking about when you're saved, you're baptized into the church. You're baptized into the body of Christ. In other words, you're submerged into the church. That means you should be part of the church. Okay? It means you become a member. He goes on to talk about the members. You're important. No one member is any important than the other. So that's why you need to stay connected to the body. He talks about that. We know about water baptism. This is John the Baptist. There was baptism before John. But John's baptism was unique and it was the baptism into... <coughs> excuse me, into repentance. And what that means is that very, it became a way, I hate to say ceremony, it's really a, a, a spiritual moment where an individual who has received Christ as Lord and Savior, we get water, right? 
We did it a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night. And you get water, and it represents what? It represents you, the old man, as you're dry. You're submerged in the water. It represents you're being cleaned by the, by the power of the Word. It means you're being cleaned and covered by the, by the, by the, the blood of the Lamb. And you're being washed as white as snow. And the old nature, that's the old man you come up. It's the new you. It's the new nature. Washed as white as snow. And now what? You're going to follow the ways of Christ. It's an outward testimony, a proclamation of what's already taken place in you and your spirit person after you've been born again. And then we come up to this idea of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So let, let's look at what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says, On one occasion, while, we were, while he was eating with them, this is Luke writing, but Jesus is going to speak in just a moment with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. It's a gift. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, that's water baptism, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was speaking to his disciples in this passage. He said, go and wait for the baptism. And, and during their training as disciples, they had opportunity uh, uh, to share their faith with people. So this wasn't just about sharing their faith, but it was about the power to share their faith. Jesus was telling them, as, as he's us today, that there's another experience you can have with the Holy Spirit where He doesn't just come in you, because we know that the Holy Spirit comes in us at regeneration, at birth, but He comes up on you, which is the empowerment. He says this in verse 8 of Acts 1. He says, but you, you will receive, what? The power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Okay? What Jesus is basically saying there, if you're going to be a disciple... You're going to, and the disciples' responsibility is to share the gospel with somebody. You're going to have to have this Holy Spirit come upon you and to empower you to do what needs to be done. The task of sharing the gospel is too important. Souls are in the balance. It's too big. You consider how many people today are not living for God. Right? And it's hard, especially in today's culture. Okay? It, th th this is needed for today. And upon hearing this, what happens? I'm going to try to cut a little bit out. Y'all keep up with me back there, JW. They go, they wait. Holy Spirit falls like a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire. They start speaking in languages they didn't previously know. A crowd gathers hearing this. And what happens is, is that excuse me, Paul gets up and he quotes Joel chapter 2 where he says that old men will dream dreams, young men will have visions, even on your handmaid, everybody, this port's going to, the Spirit's going to be poured out and all this is going to start happening. What's he trying to say? When the Holy Spirit happens, there's going to be some crazy things when the Holy Spirit poured out. It's going to happen. But they're going to be good things. They're going to be miraculous things. And they're going to be things that are going to advance the gospel. People, when it happens, it's going to get people's attention. We, we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Once you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then this next thing begins to make sense. After you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you enter into a different life with God. It's a different life. It's not. It's gone from being saved. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not minimizing salvation. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not. I'm not saying you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved. Salvation is a free gift, but there's another gift. Jesus said, my Father is going to send you the gift. There's another gift. And it's the empowering of the Holy Spirit which will transform your life. When it happens, you're no longer living a religious life. 
You're no longer going through the motions and just getting your Jesus card punch and just making sure you go to church enough times. And, oh, I mean, make sure I serve so many times. And, no, no, no. It goes beyond the religiosity about going through the regimen of doing what you perceive to be right or wrong to a relationship where there's no question what right or wrong is. You don't do something because you don't you don't do not do something because of sin. You don't do it because you don't want to hurt you don't want to hurt your relationship with Christ. You don't want to hurt your master, your savior, your Lord. You will have a connection to God through the Holy Spirit that will anoint you with power to go about doing good and setting free those who have been oppressed. See? That's what the anointing is about. That's what the outpouring is about. John 14, 12, Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. He's going to explain this in just a minute. He's going to explain, he, he, says, he says, listen, you're going to do the things I've done. Let's think about it. What are the things that Jesus did? What are the miracles that Jesus did? Well, he turned water into wine. Okay? That had a significant, spiritual significance. Uh, he raised the dead. That's pretty powerful. He healed the blind. He healed the sick, right? He cast demons out. I think that's pretty important. I mean, all those things that he did, he walked on water. See, all these things that he, he did, that's part of him reading out of Isaiah. That's why he came. The anointing was on him. Why? To share the good news, to set the oppressive. He did all these things to draw people to him so that he could share the gospel. Are you with me? I, 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 know, I know I'm not boring you. I know this is a lot to take in. Some of you know this. You say, well, I already know this. But just be refreshed. Where are you at in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? I notice I didn't say Jesus. The Holy Spirit. Where, where are you at in this? Jesus says, the works He did, will do, you will do also. How are you doing on those works? How are you doing? Are you saying, Pastor, I should be doing this? Yes! Actually, I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying it. Come on! How are you doing with this? He says, listen, you're going to do this. And when he says that, what happens? When I just said that, what happened to you? Your natural mind just shut down. Your natural mind just shut down. Why? Because the natural mind cannot comprehend the Spirit. And he said, this is what we're going to, but this is where the Holy Spirit comes in to help us. Stay with me, okay? And because we can't understand it, what we've done is, in the religious world, we've created a whole new theology called sensationism. Sensationism. What is that? It's a new theology that says when the apostles died away, all these things went away with them. I'm going to let you set in for just a moment. Calvinism. What the Calvinists believe? They believe that when the apostles, this was just for the age of the apostles, so the gospel could be spread because it's so difficult during that time. And I'm here to say it's more difficult today than it's ever been. And why would Jesus tell us these are the things we're going to do as He did? Why do we even have the book of Acts? Why do, we have the, why do we have most of the books that Paul wrote? Because he, he's talking about a lot of it about spiritual gifts and, and how they should operate within the church, within us. Hear me today. It didn't go away. 
I'm here to declare today that sensation is a false theology. Jesus does want to pour His Spirit out on you. He does want to give you a prayer language that when you don't know how to pray, you can pray, that no human understands, that no devil understands. Come on. That when, when you're confused, you're not sure what to do, He comes in and He prays through you. He wants to give you that. But more importantly, and just as important, He wants to give you the power to go out and proclaim the Gospel, lay hands on the sick and see them healed. Come on. The demon possessed, released. When's the last time you seen a demon cast out? Do they still exist? Are we still in the casting out business? Or do we just give it a title? Oh my goodness, I'm getting off my notes. Let me go back. To those of you who agree with the religious people and think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today, go ahead. Just remember when you're sick, you don't believe in miracles. When you have a lost family member, then you don't believe in evangelism. I know it sounds hard. I'm just trying to shake you up. If nothing else, go back and study it for yourself. You should be doing that anyway, see. As for me, it's too late. You cannot tell me that it's not real. I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit for over 40 years. Year. It is real. It isn't fake. Trust me. I have a prayer language that I speak in, pray in regularly. I have gifts that God's given me. Let me tell you that when I pray for the sick, I don't have hope that they get better. I see them get better. God has used me to lay hands on people and see them heal. It's a faith that God has given me, and He's given it to you. You just got to activate it. Use it. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so you have that great faith that He wants you to have. So it's too late for me to tell me it's passed away because I've seen too much to change my mind. And let me tell you something. As for me and this house, we're going to believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If it's too much for you, I'm sorry. Hang on. Don't, go, don't throw the baby out of the bathroom. If you don't understand it, neither do I. Because why? The natural mind cannot comprehend everything about the Spirit. I don't know why He gives us tongues. But He does. And I use them. I don't understand why he does the things he does. But his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We know that. God wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit. So why do we, why do we want to resist it? If you doubt that it's real, why don't you open up your mind to the Scripture and be open to it? Be open to it. See what God may do. Okay. I need to pick the pace up. i got three things. You need to know. I promise you, I'm going to go very... Guys in the back, keep with me, because I am going to probably have to cut some things out here. There's three things you need to understand about the Holy Spirit and how He works in the life of a believer. First thing is, the Holy Spirit reveals God's will in your life. It, the first thing someone gets saved, the first, usually the first thing they ask is, what's God's will for me now? And the reality is, God has a plan for each and every one of us. Unfortunately, His will and His plans aren't going to line up with our will and our plans. That's always the conflict. When someone gets saved, a lot of times they don't stay saved. If I could use that terminology, forgive me if that offends you. But they come down, they say a prayer. I believe their prayer is sincere. They get up, walk out, and nothing changes about their life. They don't even come back to the church at all. Because why? Because when they start understanding what God wants for them, they can't handle that. All right? But the Holy Spirit at salvation, at salvation, wants to start revealing His plans. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's even more of a thrust of what plans are. God's will is for you because now you're evangelistic. He wants to send you out. So we're not always ready for the answer. This happened to me. Uh, when, when I was very young, I was about 24 years old, I had a very good career with a national, an international company, one of the largest international companies at the time. 
paper company and had a good good job. For a 24-year-old man, I was making really good, good money. And I was, wasn't living a luxurious life, but I was very comfortable. And then one day, God said, I want you to leave your career path. And I want you to go into ministry. And of all places, I want you to go into children's ministry, which is always the lowest place paid staff member on, on staff. Um, and so I, I, I struggled with it, wanting to know, make sure it was God. But what happened was his will crossed my will. My will was, I want to stay with international paper. I'm going somewhere. Right? I'm going somewhere. He said, that's not what I want for you. That's not my will for you. And so his will and my will crossed, and I had a decision to make. Will I follow God's will? Or I follow my own will? And I chose God's will. When the Holy Spirit starts speaking His will to you, that's when you have to make a decision. And it's not just about career paths. It's about a lot of things in, in your life. You have to make a decision. Will you listen to Him and follow His will, or will you do what you want to do? This is the difference between a believer and a disciple. See? A believer doesn't seek the will of God. A believer never seeks the will of God. A believer goes out and does what they want to. But a disciple asks God, what is your will in this situation, right? I mean, God bless my choices for my career. That's what a believer does. Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to bless what I've chosen. This is the person I'm choosing to live the rest of my life with. I want you to bless this. See? Yeah. This is what I'm going to do with my money. But Lord, I want you to keep blessing me so I can keep doing what I want to do with my money. See, that, that, that's a believer. Where a disciple says, Lord, what are your plans for me? Lord, who is that person? Oh, if young people, you'd listen to us old farts. Okay, sorry if that offends you. Sorry that meant to come up. Us old people, right? Whew. Sorry about that. If that offends you, I do apologize. I did not mean for that to come out. <laughs> kind of like when you're in public and the other one happens. You just don't mean it, all right? All right. I, get, I, I would say I've got the walking, but I don't know. We won't go there, all right? I got to reel this back in. Come on, Tony, reel Real, real, real. If you young people listen to us older folks and be mindful of who God has for your life, for your spouse, then you won't go through some of the heartaches that we've gone through. Come on. You won't make some of the mistakes we've made, right? So what we want is, Lord, what is your will for my future spouse? Who do you want me to marry? Lord, what is your will for my career? Not bless what I'm doing, but what do you want me to do? And this isn't just for young people. This is for people of all ages right here. Because this goes down the gamut. Lord, should I buy this new vehicle? Lord, should I? God, what is your will in this situation? Should I change jobs, Lord? Should I, should I get involved with this? Should I not get involved with this? Should I be given towards this? Should I not be given towards it? It goes all the way to the gamut. Instead of just doing your thing and then ask God to bail you out because of your poor choices. Now I'm going to preaching. I know. Your poor choices. No. Make wise choices up front. And that begins with asking God, help me, Lord, understand what your will is for my life at this moment in my life. It's that simple. He wants to do that for you. When your will crosses His will, His will is, is, is at that moment you have to decide if you're going to follow the Holy Spirit or you're going to do your own thing. 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that God reveals His will to us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says this, However, as it is written, quote, What no eyes has seen, what no things God has... What, excuse me, let me slow down. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what not human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those whom he, or who, he lo who loves Him. In other words, you can't understand everything about God and what He has planned for your life right off the bat. 
very early in, in, your, in your salvation, He's not going to show you where you're going to be in 10 or 15 years. You can't handle it. He started showing you things, some of the things you have to go through to get to where He's taking you. You're going to say, I can't go through that. Trust me, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Or if it's a good thing, you'd be like Joseph and you're going to tell everybody about the dreams and the visions God's given you, right? No, He said, you can't understand. I'm not going to reveal everything to you up front. But I want you to understand, just because He does it, doesn't mean He doesn't have a plan for you. There's a plan that God has for your life that you may not fully have capacity to understand and to believe right now, but He has a plan for your life. There's something bigger and greater in God's plan for you than you're experiencing right now. I promise you. He wants to take you from glory to glory. He doesn't want you to be the tail. He wants you to be the head. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. And He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing in this world. But you've got to hear Him and obey. Way too many Christians never feel the will of God for their lives because they, don't not, they do not listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who speaks to us these things. How do I know that? Verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by who? By His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit knows and searches. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? You know what your thoughts are. I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, I know what some of y'all's thoughts are. I wish you'd hush. Landis thing. I know. Hang in there, Brother Glenn. Come on. Hang in there. Alright? But who knows the thoughts of God? It says right here. Except the Spirit of God. Only the Spirit of God. What does that mean? He knows God's thought, and it's through your relationship with Him that He communicates God's thoughts, His will for your life. That is good. We need to hear this. God wants to speak into our lives. He's the revealer of God's will. The second thing you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. Is the voice of God. Um, Jesus would say it this way, My sheep know my voice. And if you know the voice of the shepherd, then you're not going to listen to those who are not the shepherds. That makes sense? If you know the voice of the Lord, then you're not going to pay attention to those voices that are not the Lord, okay? But how many of y'all know that there are voices that are speaking to us every day in our lives? When we're little, it starts off with our parents. And our parents are good, for the most part. And they speak into our lives when we're young, and they teach us about God, and they, they create boundaries for us, and, and things like that, it's good. But along the line, sometimes our parents, they want to speak into our lives what they want, not necessarily what God wants. Let's face it, parents. We face that situation with all of our kids as they grow older. All right, so we've got to be mindful. And then as we start growing up, when we get into the junior high years or the middle school years, then we start listening to our friends. And somewhere along the way, our 12-year-old friend became wiser than our parents. The aliens come and suck their brains out. And they start, and that's how you start getting in trouble. And then what's the next step? Then we go to high school. We get newer friends. And what do they do? They're even worse influences on us. And we get in more trouble. We start skipping school. Not that I would ever do that, but my wife did. Right? They entice us into trouble. We listen to them over the voice of God. And then we go off to college. Think about this. In college, it's taking, taking our young people, scrambling their thoughts about God, about who God is, and messing their lives up, right? They, they, they cause them, they, they build human reasoning and cause our young people 
to question God and His Word. And we've lost so many of our young people to secular colleges because that's what this secular college... I'm not against them, but you better be investing in your kids when they're young. Teach them the Word of God. Make sure they're confident in who they are in Christ. Because the whole purpose of the secular educational program out here, especially if they're getting into psychology and psychiatry and, and philosophy, is to reprogram your kids and teach them that there is no God. Or at best, go live the way you want to. God doesn't care. And we lose them to the world. We lose them to the world. Then there's the voice of circumstance. Circumstance starts speaking into our life. Then there's the voice of financial enticement where we just want more, more, more. Then there's the voice of, of career achievement where we want to gain achievements. We want to gain uh, influence and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with this, but what voice are you listening to? Then there's the voice of the enemy when the devil speaks into our, our soul and, and we don't recognize it. And he starts speaking into our souls. It's like a married couple. Suddenly there's problems in the marriage. I, I've faced this over and over and over. And please don't feel condemnation when I say this. But I think you can admit this is the truth. And suddenly the enemy comes along and says, Hey, does God really say you have to stay married? Does God really say you have to stay married? Doesn't God want you happy? You know you'd be a lot happier if He wasn't in your life. And so that's where we hear people say, Well, God told me that I can divorce my spouse. No, God didn't tell you. The devil told you. And you fell for the lie. Now, come on. Well, we got these young people, right? Young people. You go out and you start dating. Your mom and dad finally take the chains off of you and let you go. My kids can't. Trevor still can't date. He ain't, women out there ain't ready for that man. I can tell you right now, right? But, but we, we, we do this. And, and, and you start dating, but then the Holy Spirit comes and He checks you. And He says, this isn't the person for you. And you go back to him and say, but Holy Spirit, he has such a gorgeous smile. And his eyes, oh, his eyes just melt my heart. I, I know he's not the best guy. I know he wants me to go out and he wants me to party. I know he wants sex with me. I know he wants to have sex with me. But I think I can turn him. I, I think I can turn his heart because he says he loves me. And we know what happens for there. That doesn't happen. You, you go down and, and, and he doesn't come up to the level of believing in Christ or she. It depends on the situation. Right? And, and, and the Holy Spirit comes back and says, but you don't understand. This person is just not a believer. And, and my word says that you should not be unequally yoked. It, uh, what does a believer have to do with an unbeliever? What does darkness have to do with light? What does sweet have to do with bitterness? So hear me. I'm trying to spare you the trouble in your life here. You don't need to be going, oh, but I'm just so in love. And before long, you're going out with the guy and you're compromising. I know you say, well, I'm already married. You're preaching to the choir here. I know, but somebody in here needs to hear this. It, whether it's our young people or you singles again out there. Listen, don't compromise. For long, you will. And you're drinking. And you're going to start lying. And you're going to start partying. Next thing you know, you're going to be out here. You're going to be having sex. And before you know it, your, your life is messed up. And for some of y'all, you come down pregnant. You're unwanted pregnancy. And, and now you marry the person. It's an unwanted marriage. And you wonder why your life is miserable. It's because you're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're not walking in line with God. It messes with you. Satan wants to bring you down. He can't touch God, but if he can touch his kids, he will. And he wants to get you off God's perfect will for your life. Can God make something good out of a bad situation? Absolutely. But don't confuse that with God's perfect will. Don't confuse that with God's perfect will. God's will for you. We have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
because he is the voice of God. We need to be sensitive to his conviction and walk in obedience to him. Third thing, real quick. We must understand that the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And, and let me say this. Let me back up real quick on this one. I know you all hate it when I do that. You're never going to have the power of God if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. If you're not walking step with the Holy Spirit, why would He want to empower you? If you're not going to walk in obedience to Him, why would He want to empower you? If you're not going to use the gifts that He's given you, why would He want to give them to you? That's part of the problem with the church today. We have believers and not disciples. The reason why we're not seeing all the gifts in operation is because God has gifts, but He can't give them to us because we're not ready for them. Now let's go to that third one. When we, walk, when we talk about the power of God, everything you see that God does is done through the Holy Spirit. When the earth was created, what does Genesis tell us, chapter 1? That the Spirit was hovering over the, over the darkness. And God spoke it. Who did the work? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus performed the miracles, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the apostles performed the miracles that they did, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we see is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone, someone mentioned the other day, I think it was Brother Joey Wednesday night, talking about how, how the universe is expanding quicker than we can keep up with with our modern technology. And what is that? That's the power of the spoken word of God. God said, let there be light and a big boom and everything took place. And that's the power of God. The fact that the trees are still seeding and your vegetables in the springtime, if you're a good gardener, blooms and creates seed is because that's the power. Because God said, let everything of its own, make seed of its own kind. The fact that we have children today is the power of God still at work today because God said, go and multiply, subdue the world, subdue the earth. See? That's the power. Everything you see, God, God is the God. He is on the throne at Jesus' right hand, but it's through the power. How can God be everywhere? We had this discussion Wednesday night in my small group. How is God everywhere? Well, He's in the throne room. Jesus' right hand It's through the Holy Spirit. That's how He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. Because why? That's the function of the Holy Spirit. He is the power of God. Here's what Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. I tell you right now, this man right here don't have wise and persuasive words, okay? It's anointing, but truly, but it's not. But he says what? With a demonstration of the Spirit's power. How did he present the gospel? With, with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is how the disciples minister. If you look at the book of Acts, you'll find that they're walking around and what's happening? They're trying to profess the gospel, but the reality of it is, it's not going too well. well the, Acts chapter 2 is going pretty well. But we see what they start doing is performing miracles. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in this gift that they start performing miracles. And when miracles start performing, just like Jesus, they started following Jesus because He started healing people. Before long, He had a crowd. Then He had to perform a miracle to feed them all. I know if I don't hurry up, I'll have to perform a miracle here and feed all y'all. I know. Just stay with me, okay? I know. Please stay with me. This is so important for us as a church. It's for you as an individual. See? But what would happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit, whether it's being released from prison, prison shaken, uh, seeing them. I mean, they put their sick out so that the shadows of the apostles go by so they could be healed. That's the, that's the power of God that was within them. And then from there, they, they shared the simple message of the gospel. Peter didn't use wise words. The only time in the New Testament we see where any wise words were when Paul was ministering there on Mars Hill to the philosophers. That's the only time. That's the only time. The rest of the time, it's a simple gospel. But how did, how did they draw people? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about how great the miracles the apostles performed through the power. How did they learn to do it? How did they learn to do it? 
They learned to do it by remembering what Jesus said. And they stepped out in faith. See, our natural mind don't understand that. Or if we do, we're fearful we're going to fail and nothing's going to happen. You don't perform the miracle. He performs the miracle. Through the power of His Holy Spirit. But you have to step out in faith. And faith. I believe God's still in the business of performing miracles. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up very quickly, please. I believe God is still in the business of pouring out His Spirit on us today. I believe that because it validates His Word. He said through the prophet Joel and then through the, the apostle Peter, in those last days, I'm going to pour my Spirit out on all flesh. Well, what is, what is last days? You're living them. And Jesus ascended and the church was given birth to through the prayer and then baptism of the Holy Spirit. We started the last age, the church age, before Jesus Christ comes back. So we're going to close today the service with an opportunity for those who have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If I'm preaching, I'm going to do it. And I'm excited because this is the last week of the fast that I've been praying all week. Lord, pour your Spirit out on this church. We need disciples. We need people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit that aren't afraid to share their faith and step out in faith and pray for those who are blind, who are sick, who are deaf, who are lame. Come on. Do you believe that though? I'm not nervous. I'm excited. And that's what we're going to do for the next few moments. We're going to do that. We're going to give you an opportunity. You may be thinking, Pastor, what's it going to be like? Well, let me tell you something. I don't know what you've experienced in the past church services, but I can tell you what it won't be. We're not going to push anybody over. If you fall over, it's out of the power of God. We've had that happen. I'm not denying that, but we don't push people and we don't shake them. You know, like the old days, shake you, hang on, hang on, let go, let go. We got confused in the altars. One person praying, hang on, the other saying, let go. We won't do that. Matter of fact, I, I'm the believer that you don't, it's a gift, just like salvation. When you ask to be saved, did Jesus wait? He said, well, I'll think about it. I'll tell you, come back tomorrow and I'll let you know. No, the moment that you acknowledge that you're a sinner and He died for you, right then, by faith, you were saved. Outpouring the Holy Spirit is the same way. You don't have to shake. You don't have to run. You can. I don't believe you have to beg. I don't think I have to get on you and say, Oh, Holy Spirit, right now! Baptized! No, I don't have to do any of that. I believe I can lay my hands on you and with the prayer of faith. And you believe in it. You can receive it. What's, what's the evidence of that? That's where a lot of people get confused. What's, what's the evidence of that? The evidence of that is the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. Say, that's the proof to who? To you. The person being baptized. I've had people ask, how will I know? You'll know. Because why? God will give you a prayer language. So I'm going to do my part. And I'm going to pray in faith and lay hands on you. And then I need you to do your part. Well, what's my part? I need you to, I need you to be baptized. And let the Holy Spirit take you. He won't make you speak in tongues. Do I have to speak in tongues? No, you get to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. He gives you a prayer language. Why would you want something He gives you that's powerful like a prayer language? Come on. Well, I'm doing just fine without it. Are you? I have it and I'm not doing all right. I need it even more. So your part is simply to be filled. And do I want you to speak in tongues? I do. Not for me, but for you. And this is, you know, can I be honest? I'm just, can I get down here where y'all are at for just a moment? 
I'm going to quit jumping down. No, I'm not going to jump down this time. I know I will do it in the future. Let me tell you a story about me. Now, you know, God stopped time one time. Father, stop time right now in the name of Jesus. I was a young 13-year-old man living in a pastor's home. There was pressure. I felt pressure to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We was in a small, small community church in Destin at the time. Destin was just a village. It wasn't even a city. The luckiest fishing village in the world. Church on Legion Drive. Of all roads, Legion Drive. Y'all remember the Green Knight liquor store? Y'all remember that on 98? Right behind the liquor store. I'm telling you, perfect. Small church. Home missions church. We had a guest speaker coming in. I felt the pressure. And man, he... I, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really paying attention. I was 13 years old. Me and my buddy were kind of cutting up a little bit. At the end of the service, the evangelist talked about the Holy Spirit. He said, everybody been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he looked right at me and David. David Frazier was his name. Boys, are y'all? And I couldn't lie. I was in God's house. No. He said, y'all going to get baptized today. I felt the pressure. And I ain't going to lie to you. I felt pressure. Like, there's nothing happening. I, I felt the Holy Spirit. But my tongue... Wasn't doing the jeebie 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 up stuff, all right? We can make fun of ourselves. It's okay. We don't understand it. I'm not making fun of God. I'm just, it's, it's peculiar. And then just to get them off my back, true story, I just started making some noise. God knows. But that noise, just to get them, quit praying for me. Because, I mean, we're talking about the old days. They're 30, 40 minutes. They're praying for me. I had some of those going, let loose, let loose, let loose. Hang on. I had that. It's like, I, I, okay, I and then I just started making what I perceived would sound like tongues. The miraculous thing is that God took that. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you how it worked for me. He took that, and before long, the tears just started flowing down my face. 13-year-old boy flowing down my face. And just, I won't say it was beautiful because it was it was very basic, like a baby. Dad, 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 mama. I wasn't making those noise. I'm just saying, like a baby had to develop. Same way with your prayer language. I had to develop it. That time I'm sure. Man, but it was just for me. It's like there's such a not a relief, release because I was baptized. But yes, I now am baptized. It had changed my life. I didn't know it, but in that small church, God called me into ministry. He didn't confirm it until later in life. He called me in that church. It's that experience I had. So what am I do? I'm going to invite you to come down. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to put my mint in my mouth so I don't knock you out. Because I can tell you right now, I've got dry mouth this morning. And I'm going to invite you to come down. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't understand it. I guarantee you, the 120 on the day of Pentecost didn't understand it. But they knew there was something greater than what they had, because Jesus said so. And they wanted it, and when the, when the power came, they didn't know how to speak in tongues. They just started speaking language, they didn't. And I want to invite you this morning. Would you come? Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. What if it don't happen? It's not on you. Well, it is on you. It's on God. You just got to be obedient. You need it. If you don't have it, you need it today. You're facing things in your life. Great temptations. Sin. I'll call it what it is. That you can't overcome because you don't have the power of God in your life. Some of you are facing fear. The power of God come upon you. You won't have that fear. You're concerned about the future. You'll have a peace that passes all understanding. Trust me. Relationship with Jesus starts it all. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Great bookends for a wonderful, powerful life.
wait just a moment. I believe it's today or today. I believe God wants it for you. Anybody at all? Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.